All right, we're done with rookie stuff. We've been doing a gazillion underdog drafts, which means we are slowly shifting into just full dynasty, full redraft, and season-long content for the rest of the summer. Best time of the summer. This is when we rip our best top-tier content. Today, we're doing our top 12 running back rankings for the 2023 fantasy football season just blue collar hard work clear cut you know what we're doing in today's video there's also mother's day as i'm filming this so i just want to take a second to uh tell you to tell your mother that i said hello top 12 today we'll be doing 13 through 24 on friday so make sure you're subscribed and then next week we'll do the same thing but with wide receivers listen this will be the only time you see me do this i will not be tucking for today's video i will not be tucking the shirt in the shirt is simply just too nice i'm going to see my mother in an hour or two i don't want it wrinkled all right so we will keep this untucked this video will be untucked probably unhinged but we will do it politely to respect the mothers tony please just start the intro should come as no surprise that Christian McCaffrey blesses the top of this list for, I don't know, four out of the last five years. He's a 49er for the full offseason. Uh, I just don't think there's an argument to be made for any running back in fantasy football to jump over C-Mac in the rankings. Uh, I think the only argument here is whether you want C-Mac at the 101 or you want wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, those types uh, above a dude like C-Mac. Now he's going to come over here and we saw him dominate touches in what is likely the most valuable fantasy backfield uh, that we've seen in quite some time for a player to have like a workhorse role. And that's what C-Mac's going to have in 2023. The biggest thing for a guy like C-Mac is coming over from Carolina where their, their offense is, you know, yearly ranked inside like the bottom 10 the bottom 12 in terms of scoring is just the sheer amount of touchdown opportunities that he's going to have in the red zone in the 10 yard line inside the five yard line uh in this offense that continuously just runs smoothly so you talk about moving over to san francisco in the 14 game sample size which includes three games in the playoffs he scored 13 touchdowns okay now he's got the full offseason if we're talking about one touchdown a game, y'all could do the math. He's just It would just be shocking to see him finish outside of the top three fantasy running backs. Of course, if he stays healthy, we're not here to argue whether or not he's going to stay healthy. So C-Mac, the number one. As we move down to the next, I guess, tier, I'm not really doing this by tiers, but when I look at the grouping of dudes, um, I do kind of see Saquon and Bijan together as the next tier. They're it's kind of similar players, just the age gap here. I have Saquon as my number two. Last year, he was two years removed from the ACL. So we were all in back on Saquon. We did not like him a year and a, uh, two years ago. We loved him last year because now he was fully removed from the ACL and he was ready to roll and he absolutely delivered, right? Number five in yards created, number two in breakaway runs, number six in evaded tackles, number three in route participation. Is he ever going to be the explosive alien that we saw as a rookie? Uh, probably not. I think there were far too many times where we watched him last year and he was actually chased down by defenders and it just wasn't something that you saw from Saquon when he was a rookie uh, like in his prime in college and things like that. And maybe he lost a little bit of that juice that he had, but he's still the all-world talent that we saw last year. Um, and now this offense has been improved. They've got a pretty good offensive line or at least a bunch of young pieces that are improving incrementally. I'm excited with DJ uh, locked up for, you know, an extended period of time to see what they could do with the full offseason with this offense, uh, et cetera. And this is obviously with the caveat that he plays under the franchise tag. So I think they're going to 
run this dude into an absolute coffin, given that he's on the franchise tag, assuming he plays under it. I don't know what's going to happen with the contract, but if he plays under the franchise tag, they're probably looking to move on from him after this year, maybe. You know, I don't know if they want to give him a long-term deal. The running back situation, not really a reason to do that when you have a ton of money now locked into the quarterback. They have other pieces. De- uh, Dexter Lawrence, of course, was just re-signed. So Saquon, one more year, they're going to give him 400 touches here. So Saquon, I'm all in on second-ranked running back this year. RB3, the GOAT, the future Hall of Famer, and who will likely be the 101 in next year's fantasy football drafts, Bijan Robinson of my Atlanta Falcons. He is basically the closest thing to Saquon since Saquon. And the arguments uh, against Bijan Robinson, really the only one that I think holds any sort of weight or water, are that the Falcons just might not be a very up-tempo, explosive offense. And I understand that, except when you look at Saquon, the aforementioned, what he did in his rookie year, he went over 2,000 yards from scrimmage and scored a shitload of touchdowns on a New York Giants team that was 5-11. and 11. So when you are this talented, when the offense starts to game plan around you, I don't think it's that big of a deal. We have seen many fantasy running backs, right? You always want your fantasy running backs to be on good teams because it presents itself with more plays overall. The offense is on the field for a longer time. You get more scoring opportunities. But we've seen many, many, many top-tier level talented running backs be fine in fantasy on shitty teams. And the Falcons are not going to be shitty. We're going to be good. We might even be great. I truly believe in my heart of hearts that the Super Bowl runs through Atlanta. He lands in Atlanta. And Arthur Smith, the coach, has found his Derrick Henry. Like, the number of touches can't be understated how, how uh, for B. John Robinson in this upcoming year. You look at the offensive line. Uh, Atlanta had the single highest graded run-blocking offensive line in the NFL last year per PFF, okay? We have a very good, extremely underrated offensive line. And you're going to hear this more and more throughout the offseason as more people start to dive into the numbers and stuff. Our offensive line allowed Tyler Algier to run for a thousand yards. You can make the argument we didn't need a running back because of our offensive line and our system and things like that. And I agree. But now you put an elite talent behind elite talent at the offensive line. Problematic. Bijan better catch 65 balls this year, 75 balls this year, 300 carries. Going to get a shitload of touches. Just an elite talent, okay? Don't overthink it. Bijan, RB3. When we start to move down the list, we start to get a few more question marks. So I've got Austin Eckler at my RB4 for now, right? He's just one of those dudes that you constantly feel like he's due for an off year. If you look at his production over the last two years, 2021, 1,550 yards from scrimmage, 70 catches, 20 touchdowns. Last year, 1,630 yards from scrimmage, 107 catches, 18 touchdowns just like it's like what the fuck right Eckler's been super vocal however about wanting to uh compliment himself with another running back and to be fair the Chargers have tried over the last few years they've just been about as bad at drafting running backs as the Patriots have been with wide receivers um but they didn't add any running back with real capital to their backfield this year and Austin Eckler's like kind of holding out Uh, He might be back in L.A. He might not. I'm kind of talking about this with the mindset that he will be back in L.A. for this year. I don't know because I don't think another team is going to want to trade for him and then give him a contract. But what excites me most about this setup for Eckler this year is Kellen Moore's addition as the offense coordinator here in L.A. And he's had massive success with the running backs that he's used in fantasy over the years. Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, obviously those have been the guys for the last few years, but he's understood how to use them at a very effective high-level rate. Uh, Rashawn Slater will be back. This offensive line will be good. They have a lot of draft capital invested. I don't really need, need to explain the upside for Austin Eckler 
those numbers over the last two years blamed it to you. So if he's a starting running back again in LA, going to catch seven fucking passes a game, going to be dynamite. And we move on to number five, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's career has had its ups and downs so far. I think last year was probably as ugly as it gets. Uh, he missed six games with the high ankle sprain. It kind of lingered all year. He had surgery this offseason. Uh, we're not too worried about it. I'm way more worried about the Colts situation as a whole. Uh, their their quarterback situation last year was on it was just like disrespectful to football fans. Like if you were an indie fan, it was just I couldn't. I, I wouldn't watch those games. No fucking way. They were like the, the ugliest team to watch on offense in the NFL last year. But they bring in Anthony Richardson, and that makes everything exciting again. All the talk out of their camp is that he will be starting immediately. The best way to get someone to progress is to get him onto the field, make those mistakes right away. If Anthony Richardson is a starter from the start, love that for JT. You have to love that because the defenses can't hone in on JT because there's multiple threats on the field now. Obviously, Richardson as a massive threat to run the ball, throw the ball deep. Like, you can't really cheat this offense if Richardson is under center. Uh, that will open up a lot of holes for Jonathan Taylor. Now, their offensive line is an issue. It was not good last year. Quentin Nelson fell off. Uh, I'm expecting him. Uh, he's just too good of a player to, you know, to, to think that his career is over. He's not a talented player anymore. He'll be fine. Uh, Taylor is just so good as a player with the big playability to the point that he can do work again in a bad situation. If he was healthy last year, his year would have been fine statistically. Um, so I'd be completely fine with him as my RB1. No more Naeem Hines. They bring in Evan Hull, but he'll be the goal line back. He'll be the early down back. He'll probably catch some passes like... We know what JT is at his best. We've seen it before. It is the 2,000 yards. It is the 15, 20 touchdowns. That's what he is. You know, if you think he's going to be healthy, uh, if you think Anthony Richardson is going to be on the field, then you should have no problem taking him in the top five of fantasy running backs. And then you get to Derrick Henry. He's my number six right now. It was business as usual for Derrick Henry in 2022 in the year where many people predicted him to fall off. Henry just did what he does every fucking year. He missed going over 2,000 yards from scrimmage by a whopping 64 yards uh, despite missing a game. He ripped off another 13 scores, and he even set career highs in the receiving game. 41 targets, 33 catches, 398 yards, and shockingly, he led all NFL running backs in both yards per reception and yards per route run. Let this motherfucker cook. Derrick Henry, just give him a few screens a game, man. And he had all this rushing success, all this statistical success, while seeing the third highest rate of stacked boxes in the NFL, which is obviously not surprising given the makeup of the Titans offense. That's the big problem here is like, we keep saying it, it's like no matter how bad the Titans offense is or the lack of playmakers around him, he just keeps producing. So if you want to bet on him falling off, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like an ROI positive bet to continue making, okay? But if you're one of those people that likes to be a year early instead of a year late on these types of players, because Henry will be 30 this year, uh, he could be traded, I guess, but we will sink that submarine when we get there. Henry just has to be in line. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, 
or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And for another fucking, you know, 20 to 25 carries a game, this offense could absolutely plummet very, very quickly, which could be problematic. And I think that's where I kind of like start to factor in the upside and the downside of Henry, where I think his floor is a little bit lower than in a typical year, where if this offense just goes absolutely the opposite of nuclear, whatever that is, acidic. That's not correct. It could be problematic for Derrick Henry just in terms of like the overall number of plays that they run. He could have, they could run the ball 65% of the time, but if they're running 50 plays a game, not going to be good for him. Uh, So Derrick Henry at six, just out of respect. And then Tony Pollard, man, he's at number seven for me. And I listen, I'm not going to fault anyone for wanting to take him top five after what he did last year. Zeke is gone, but so is Kellen Moore. Pollard was just an absolute fucking electric factory last year. He finished as the RB seven and a half PPR despite playing just 49% of the Cowboys' snaps. That shit is crazy. I mean, this dude was on more top five lists than Biggie and Pac. Like, look at the fucking numbers here. Number two in yards per reception. Number four in yards per route run. Number five in yards per touch. Number four in breakaway run rate. Number three in just breakaway runs overall. Number three in production premium. And you still get him behind a consensus top 10 ranked offensive line with Mike McCarthy, who has repeated that he wants to run the ball and 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 and keep his defense fresh. Okay. Is Tony Pollard going to be a 25 touch per game guy? No, I don't think they want to use him in that capacity. They bring in Ronald Jones, pause, and they draft Deuce Vaughn, who, you know, I I don't want to keep ripping on the guy, but he's like five foot five, 178 pounds. Uh, So it's hard to take him seriously in terms of what kind of role he's going to have in that backfield. So it's very much Tony Pollard's backfield to have. What they do in goal line and short down situations may be up for debate because Ronald Jones is a little bit bigger, but just the way that they've like pieced together this backfield, just kind of weird, just kind of sus. I just don't, I don't really know what their plan is in terms of divvying up the touches, but we do know Tony Pollard is by far and away, without a doubt, one of the most talented running backs in the NFL and just head over heels, one of the best play, like, I mean, him and CeeDee Lamb are obviously both tremendous playmakers, but Pollard, like they have to run their offense through Pollard. They have to. Okay, so Pollard's up here at RB7. If he finishes the fucking RB1 overall this year, really wouldn't be shocked. I have Brees Hall 
at number eight. And I know this will probably be a bit of a contrarian take because he's coming off the ACL tear. He was on the precipice of just greatness as a rookie. He was one of the better prospects we have seen come out just from a collegiate resume uh, athleticism, right? What he did at the combine, three down skill set, size to complement all of those things. He was on the precipice of being in that elite tier. If Brees Hall never tore his ACL, he would likely be the the RB one going into this year in fantasy. Uh, it took him a second to take over, but once he did, it was it was all fucking gas. It was like the brakes were were broken on that car, on that train. From weeks three to seven. When he took over as a starter, before he got hurt, he was averaging 112 total yards from scrimmage per game, 4.4 targets, and nearly a touchdown per game. Again, the big elephant in the room, of course, is the ACL tear that he tore in week seven. But this isn't like Javante Williams, where he tore a bunch of other shit up. You need to wait for that swelling to go down in order to start having these surgeries, and it gets pushed back another, you know, another month. Hall's tear was was clean and we're seeing players come back from these tears earlier and earlier and earlier especially younger players where their body recovers quickly uh and i'm usually listen i'm if you've been following me for like any sort of time i am the most pessimistic dude when it comes to like injury optimism i think it's like the number one downfall of most fantasy players is that they're too optimistic about players returning from injury coming from me i still like Brees hall like, everything about this has good vibes behind it until otherwise. You look at Javante Williams, you look at J.K. Dobbins, you look at these other guys where, like, everything about those situations was super sus. All the reports were negative, all the reports were terrible, all the reports were pointing towards things not going well. The opposite for Brees Hall. If you look at this write-up from doctor of physical therapy Edwin Porras, he works at Fantasy Points. I'll let you guys just read this. So, Brees Hall, maybe he starts a little slow the first month of the season, but if you have Brees Hall on your team from week six through the fantasy playoffs, you will be happy that you drafted him in the third, whatever kind of discount you're able to get on him. We have Aaron Rodgers obviously coming over to the Big Apple. This offense will be far, far better than whatever the fucking patches that they were sewing together at quarterback last year of Zach Wilson and all those guys. Uh, it'll be fun to watch the Jets this year. I mean, again, had he not been hurt, probably in the conversation for 101 in fantasy this year. If we want to talk about the RB1 in fantasy last year, Josh Jacobs. It feels disrespectful putting him down here at RB9. I'm a little bit worried about this offense. Like, Jimmy G has never really had to operate as the leader of an offense or a team that wasn't like, that didn't have a tremendous amount of talent around him with the pieces. Uh, and I don't know. Josh Jacobs could be higher, could be higher. Led the league in rushing yards last year. Excuse me, he was the RB3 in fantasy, but he led the league in rushing yards last year. He's back on the tag, which one-year deal. And if we thought they were going to run him into the ground fucking last year, well, we're going to need some new fertilizer around this time. Okay? We're going to need some new ferdy. Put it down. Josh Jacobs is running all over the fucking place. He had an 83.7% opportunity share. Number one in the NFL among running backs. Like, nobody else was was getting touches back there. They were hiding the fucking touches like the damn cookie jar, all right? It should be more of the same with Jimmy G under center. Uh, they'll be a serviceable enough offense. They're going to look to run the offense again through Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, so the volume should be insane for him. So RB9, I think, again, is another value, is another steal. Same thing with Nick Chubb. Cleveland Browns, he's my RB10. He's a, he's a value. He's a steal every fucking year. Again, business as usual for Chubby. Career high in rushing yards last year, 1,525. The quietest 1,765 total yards from scrimmage season of all time. 13 total touchdowns. Kareem Hunt is not there anymore. Deshaun Watson should be much better next year. Their offensive line is consensusly top three to top five uh, for like the fourth year in a row. 
he's been an RB1 in four straight seasons. Last year, he was the RB5 and even half PPR. So you know what you're getting out of Nick Chubb. It really depends on like the level of touch. He's going to give you the same rushing production, efficiency, volume, year over year. If he scores seven rushing touchdowns, he'll be like the RB11. If he scores 13, he'll be the RB5. That's what you get from Nick Chubb. So a guy who's going to continuously be disrespected that could anchor the RB slot on your team in the third round is a beautiful thing out of him. If Deshaun Watson takes his offense to another another level, maybe he gets Chubb more involved in the passing game, that could be problematic. At RB11, Ramondre Stevenson, absolute dog. Revelation for the Pats last year. He was on our must-draft list. One of my very few good calls of the summer. 1,460 total yards, six scores, but more importantly, 88 targets and 69 catches, okay? Those numbers, it was Austin Eckler, it was Christian McCaffrey, and then it was Ramondre. If you're ranking those things statistically, that's how the NFL running backs played out. Austin Eckler, C-Mac, Ramondre. You can't understate just how involved in the passing game he was. And now Damian Harris is over in Buffalo. And it doesn't happen often that that the Pats find a back that they're comfortable using on all three downs, but it sure feels like they got him here, okay? I know it's very hard to trust Bill. Like, would anybody be surprised if we look back at the end of this year and it's like Kevin Harris or Pierre Strong, uh, you know, that got 150 touches or some shit? No. Um, and Stevenson did not take over until Damian Harris got hurt, but he obviously performed well enough to prove that he should have been the guy there. So for right now, I think Ramondre Stevenson is probably like the ranking of a running back that I feel like is in the most flux, where I think, again, sort of like Tony Pollard, if this is just the situation that we're going into this year and everything about summer camp is like the offense and the, the run game is going through Ramondre, really wouldn't fault anyone for taking him as high as like the RB5, RB6 in that range. A guy that get 90 targets, 70 catches is insane for someone that's as talented as him. So RB11, if they bring in a vet or something like that, you know, will complicate things. They don't do anything in the draft this year running back-wise. So, uh, Ramondre, RB1 for me. When we get down to number 12, I had a hard time figuring out who I wanted to put put here. And I just felt like, based on all the moves that didn't happen, I kind of just had to put Joe Mixon here, okay? Uh, so, Joe Mixon only has Chase Brown brought in through the NFL draft. Right? A lot of a lot of signs point to be him being cut or traded or shit like that. Nothing happened. Chase Brown picked in the fifth round, all right? It's just not serious capital. And they have Travion Williams, who has had 47 carries throughout the entirety of his rookie contract. So, like, fuck up out of here if, if that's an argument against Joe Mixon. Cincinnati was the seventh highest-scoring offense in the NFL last year and will probably be better this year. Uh, and And... What's crazy is, like, Mixon's never really been that involved in the passing game. They've always tried to outsource that work. It was Gio Bernard for a while. Then it was Samaje Pirine last year, and Pirine's now in Denver. Uh, but Mixon actually tied Austin Eckler for the league lead for running backs in end zone targets. Uh, unsurprisingly, he was third in five-yard line or closer carries with 17 of them. So he's very involved down by the end zone and down by Pater and down by where things fucking matter for fantasy football. And that's why you want to draft a guy like Joe Mixon, even if you don't believe in his talent at this point where he's kind of shown to be very mediocre despite having size and athleticism to be better. This offense is just one that you want to attach yourself to. So even if he's inefficient, there's just not many paths to Mixon being 
like outed as the guy there. It's just like the Cincinnati organization, as well as Joe Burrow, I think just likes him too much. I do think he's just like a good teammate and they like him over there. This is the other thing too, like mixing with the size and the experience and being a veteran, like Joe, Bur- they're not just going to throw a fifth round rookie running back to in there to protect Joe Burrow. They're not going to use Travion Williams in there to protect Joe Burrow. Like they trust Mixon in those roles, which will continue to keep him on the field. All right. So as long as Mixon is not like traded or cut or some shit like that, it doesn't make sense not to take him as an RB1 again this year in fantasy. Not exciting because I don't think he's really like too explosive or gives you a ton of upside outside of touchdowns, but I think you just got to do it. We just got to do it. Shout out Nike. Shout out your mother. Shout out you. If you watch this entire video, hit the button that looks like this. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. We'll be bike on Friday with running backs 13 through 24. I'm out. I love you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.